This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Assalamu alaikum, hello Allah, and welcome to Life Beats with me, Sally Musa. What is the biggest thing that stops people from achieving their dreams? My guest today has an incredible story coming from a background of poverty to now becoming one of the world's most requested motivational speakers and a multi-million dollar entrepreneur whose global platform has reached and served nearly 30 million people. You're about to meet Lisa Nichols and hear her story of how she transformed her own life And she also shares the tools that she uses to help people all over the world to do the same. Get ready because it's a very special Life Beats right here on Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. 95. Lisa Nichols went from a struggling single mom on public assistance to a millionaire entrepreneur, her courage and determination inspiring people worldwide to make the breakthroughs that they have needed to discover their own untapped talents and infinite potential. Lisa is the founder and CEO of Motivating the Masses, one of the US's only publicly traded personal and business development training companies, but not before hitting rock bottom 24 years ago when she couldn't even provide nappies for her infant son. Lisa is now the author of seven best-selling books, including her latest, Abundance Now, a multi-million dollar entrepreneur. And she's about to bring her mission to teach others that it is possible to do the same right here to the UAE. I spoke to her ahead of her visit to find out how this mind-boggling journey started for her and how she turned her life so radically around Lisa, of course, you are a world-renowned public speaker, somebody uh, who has an incredible story. But I want you to take us back to who you were growing up, because it was a very different story to who you are now. Yes, I grew up in a very moderate environment. Um, I didn't know that we were considered legally poor until I went. I was bused to a more um, advanced elite school, and we, I qualified for what they call the free lunch program and I remember asking my father why do we qualify for the free lunch program and they said because my father told me because when it comes to the poverty line they rate us under that line I didn't know there was were any needs all, all of our needs were met in our house I believe that where we may have lacked money we were we were rich in love and in family and in faith I uh, was raised between the Harlem Crip 30s and the Roland 60s, and those were two gangs. And I had to fight three days a week to get home from school. And I struggled to some degree for 12 years while I was in school my entire cycle of school. I just felt like things didn't click to me. I I just felt like something was off, but I couldn't quite articulate it. Um, I found out when I was about 25 years old that I was functionally dyslexic. So I transposed all of my words, and that made sense to me. It actually was a relief when I found out that I was functionally dyslexic because then struggles and all of the challenges reading a book and why it took me three months to finish 
uh, novel, it made it all make sense. Um, the last time I took a English class, I got the lowest grade in the class, and my English teacher said, quote, unquote, Miss Nichols, you have to be the weakest writer that I've ever met in my entire life. And that same year, I took a speech class, and my speech teacher said, quote, unquote, uh, Lisa, I recommend that you get a desk job and never speak in public. So um, I found myself, you know, um, as I got into my early 20s, and there was a lot of self-esteem. And then being brown, dark brown, with full lips and round hips, long before it was popular, <laughs> mm. um, added to my, my, my insecurities and my lack of self-esteem. And, you know, and that kind of followed me. I worked hard to get out of it and began to read books. And then I had my son. And when I, I was 28, I had my son. And when he was eight months old, that's when I went to the uh, ATM to get $20 out to buy Pampers. And I didn't have money to buy Pampers. I had $11.42 in the bank. And I had to wrap my son Jelani in a towel for two days. And that was if someone asked me what was the turning point. Though nothing happened, and though I didn't do anything, can you anything happened right then that was the time when I made the decision that enough was enough and that was the time when I decided I don't want to keep living like this the second day that I had him wrapped in a towel I put my hand on his little stomach at eight months old and I said don't worry Jelani mommy will never be this broke or broken again and I feel like I've spent the last 24 years making sure that that was the case and What's funny and crazy right now in my life is that in four days, my son gets married. Wow. And yeah. And so telling the story about him and he's a staple in my story. He was a, a large part. He wasn't the only reason why I wanted to change my life, but he was a large part of it. And, and now marrying him in four days and giving him the wedding of his dreams. And they might be worried about a lot, but they're not worried about if they're going to get married, how they're going to get married, and the resources to marry them. Life looks extremely different. That but is, back then, yeah, that is, I was just trying to release them. It's just extraordinary because, like you say, you hit rock bottom and um, you just made a decision. I mean, what was your vision at that point? Because everything that you'd been surrounded by was just despair at that point. So how did you create that vision? Where did you find that vision for yourself that it could be better? That's so funny that you asked that, Sally, because the first vision I had, and it wasn't the vision that I held on for a long time, but the first vision I had was that this is not my life. The first thing I had wasn't necessarily something pulling me. The first thing I had was a definitive decision that I was worth more than this. I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't necessarily have the picture immediately. But what I did know was that I was done struggling. I was done living in scarcity. I was done with this. I don't. I just felt like I, I'm done. I just really realized that, okay, I'm only here because of what I don't know. So the first thing I, I want to do is go learn what I don't know. It's an incredible story. Yes, she did marry her son off this week in such an incredibly beautiful wedding. Coming up next, find out what sets Lisa apart from so many others and why that promise she made to her son 24 years ago 
wasn't an empty one. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats. Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Welcome back to Life Beats on Pulse 95. I'm in conversation with best-selling author and transformation coach Lisa Nichols. Here she tells me why her story is so different to many others who try and fail to achieve their dreams. And she shares the one thing that people aren't willing to hear to make their dreams a reality. The first thing I had was a definitive decision that I was worth more than this. I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't necessarily have the picture immediately. But what I did know was that I was done struggling. I was done living in scarcity. I was done with this. I don't I just felt like I, I'm done. I just really realized that okay, I'm only here because of what I don't know. So the first thing I, I want to do is go learn what I don't know. So apparently everyone who had a better life knew something that I didn't know. And so <laughs> I I began to be an explorer. I caught myself an explorer. And I want to explore what I don't know. Now you have to know but I began to pick up books. Now, this this is, comes from a dyslexic woman who it takes 90 days to finish a book if I read it every single day because I read the same line like four times just because of my challenge. And so I just began to consume books. I just consume books. I consume. I just kept saying, what do they know that I don't know? Which is why I'm so excited to come to Dubai and to share what people might not know because that was the gap closer for me it was like if I know what they know then the the fields are leveled then we're equal I don't care where they come from I don't care what they have I want to know what the people who are living a peaceful life a joyful life an abundant life a happy life a prosperous life I just want to know what they know then I could do what I want to do with that information and so I began to devour information and the more i devour the more i consume the more i could see that next piece that you talked about i began to see something greater and I go oh my god there is peace of mind oh my god there is prosperity oh a vacation oh money left in the bank at the end of the month oh oh i get a saving mm-hmm. oh i all of a sudden i began to see these things when i was introduced to them before i was introduced to them, i didn't even know they existed but it, you know you made that promise to your son Jelani it could have yeah. and and this is really important because i think lisa a lot of us have a goal have a vision and it's really big but we don't do what you did we don't make it a reality somewhere along the line we give up and we let go why how what's the difference between you going as you say from welfare to wall street to anybody else who maybe has big dreams but doesn't doesn't get there it's an empty promise you know what Sally I love that question um, and I I've, I've actually said that very statement online do you want uh, before live in front of people do you want to know the difference between me and most people the difference is I was willing to be mildly to moderately to significantly inconvenient for what I believed. I was willing to say the things that no one else wanted to say and to do the things that no one else may have wanted to do. Most people want to live a new life 
but do the same thing. I was willing to sacrifice at so many levels, Sally. I was willing to stop going out dancing, stop going out to restaurants. I was willing to stop going out to eating, for, for taking my son out. I was willing to stop getting my hair done, stop getting my nails done. I took every single dime and I wrote myself a check every two weeks. And in the memo line, I put funding my dream. I didn't even know what the dream was. And everyone talked about me like, what are you do- what are you doing? You must be crazy. I was willing to be considered crazy. I didn't have to fit in. I didn't want to fit in anymore. I didn't even know exactly what I was running for, but I knew it would cost me time and money and resources. And I was willing to give myself a chance. I was willing to stay up really late when I was sleepy. I was willing to get up really early when I was tired. I was willing to frighten myself and go ask for a deal. I hated sales. At one point, I hated sales. But I was willing to pitch myself to people, to tell them, I can inspire your audience. I can inspire your teenagers. I can inspire your church group. I can inspire your youth organization. I can inspire your employees at the risk, Sally, of hearing no a thousand times. See, I was willing to hear 1,000 no's so I can hear 10 yeses. Most people will never hear the 10 yeses because they're afraid of hearing the 1,000 no's. Coming up next, why it's not only important to surround yourself with people who support your dreams, but why sometimes we have to make the difficult decision to love someone from a distance. A special interview with Lisa Nichols continues next on Life Beats on Pulse95. This is Pulse95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats Beats. with Sally Musa, only on Pulse 95. Welcome back to Life Beats and my special conversation with the one and only Lisa Nichols. And here she talks to me about what she was willing to do that others wouldn't to make her dreams a reality. And a lot of people don't know, you actually spent four years working out of your closet. I did, I did. And my my pant hangers, the, you know how you have the pant hangers yes. in your closet? I use the clamps on my pant hangers to hold my manila files for my clients. And I worked there for four years. And it wasn't even a really a major walk-in closet. It was like a step-in and turn closet. <laughs> and it was my it was my office for four years. It's where I launched my business, in that closet. You know, like you said, we're not willing to go there. It is very difficult for us to, to kind of, uh-huh. you know, imagine that we would do that. Um, something yeah. else that I want to ask you about is, you know, that your inspirations of people who, because this is very important, surrounding yourself with the right people, because uh, you had people in your life who inspired you. And you also talk very powerfully about having to distance yourself from others to love from a distance. Talk to us a bit more about that. Absolutely. So first I want to tell you that there were people that I say were in my life that inspired me, but some of them I've never met. (laughs) But they were in my life because I studied them so much. I studied Dr. Martin Luther King. I studied Mahatma Gandhi. I studied Mother Teresa. I studied Nelson Mandela. I studied people like that. And then I had some earth angels, I call them my earth angels in my life, that no one will ever know their names, but they were amazing people in my life and they kept me grounded and they 
for me to know that if I did fail at this big life I was leaping at, that then I'd just get back up and I'd fly again. And and so I I I was very adamant to keep people around me that made me stand on my tippy toes. I didn't want to be the best, smartest, fastest, most brilliant person in every single one of my circles. I don't mind if I'm in the top 1% in one circle, but I only want to be that in one circle. I want the other five circles. I want to be in a circle that people are inspiring me to climb, to love deeper. And I don't just mean about money. I mean, my spiritual mentor, she inspires me to love the unlovable. She inspires me to forgive what feels like the unforgivable. And then I would go to my grandmother. My grandmother would inspire me to serve, to be a servant leader. So my grandmother taught me how to lead from behind. And so I would pick up these traits and I would just decide to download someone's trait. And I only wanted to master their traits. I sat in Nelson Mandela's jail cell in South Africa for eight hours. I sat on Robbins Island because I wanted to learn how to embody his forgiveness. I only thought that. I knew he had many other traits that I could pick up, but I wanted to just, God, give me his forgiveness. And so um, I was very adamant about wanting to master the ability to lead and love and learn and forgive and speak. And with Dr. King, I wanted to master his ability to orate in such a way that he can inspire a nation, a, a multifaceted nation. I wanted to master that ability to enroll people with my words. And then the other side was of that was to love myself enough that if people were dream busters, our vision snatchers, that I could love them. If they were my family or my community, I could still love them, but I have the right to love them from a distance. Everyone doesn't deserve to hear your dream. Everyone doesn't deserve for you to serve your dream to them on a platter. Some people, you hold your dream, you give your dream to dream builders, not dream busters. And so I became very mindful of who I shared my dream with because my dream was like an unborn baby. And when a mother is expected, everyone is very careful with her. She's very mindful that she's with child. She's very mindful that she's given birth. When you have a dream in your belly, in your heart, and in your soul, you're given birth. And I would only share my dream with midwives, people who would help birth my dream, not people who could potentially harm it. The most important thing uh, I've heard you say about this is, you know, we all expect people to love us, but deep inside, we actually don't love ourselves first. Yes, this is a big one. Lisa's going to talk about that next. And as well as that, she's going to be taking us through the top lies that people tell themselves that limit what they can achieve. Some incredible truths that are going to ring true for you. That's coming up next on Life Beats on Pulse95. This is Pulse95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Yes, it's Life Beats on Pulse 95 and you're listening to my special interview with Lisa Nichols. Being a transformation coach and specialist, Lisa has pretty much seen it all and here she tells me the biggest lies that people tell themselves that limit their potential. 
I said this when I was on Oprah many years ago. I said, we are expecting other people to love us more than we're actually loving ourselves. And it's unfair to ever expect someone to love you beyond where you're loving yourself. It's your job to fall in love and hopefully, ideally, to fall madly in love with yourself first. And not in a self-grandizing way, not in a way that's ego-based, but in a way that's agape, that's that, that, that's organic, that's natural, that allows you to love others from your overflow. That it's your job to love yourself first and then to be the first example of how the world is supposed to love you. It's your job to be willing to celebrate you. It's your job to set healthy boundaries. It's your job to see your light, to see your love, and to see your possibility. And then it's your opportunity to allow others to share that love with you. And so for a long time, I didn't love Lisa. For a long time, I'd say yes to everyone's request. Yes to everybody's ask of me because I wanted them to love me. But I wanted them to love me because I wasn't loving myself yet. And what I said in the secret was until I fell madly in love with Lisa, no one else could see how to truly love me. Everyone else's love was like pouring water in a bowl with holes in it. It wasn't until I plugged up my own holes with love, with admiration, with humility, with grace and compassion for myself that I could actually hold on and keep and be a container for everyone else's love for me. And that's what I teach other people is that if you can fill yourself up, if you can be everything you need, then you can now hold on and really feel and reflect the love that everyone else has been trying to give to you for years. Lisa, you've worked with millions of people around the world. What do you see that most often holds people back? What are the lies that people most often tell themselves that (laughs) stop them from transforming? I like you, Sally. I like your question. (laughs) Um, The lies that people tell themselves, it's a list of them. So let me run down the top ones. One is that People are more consumed with other people's perception of them than they are with their own truth. They believe that other people's perception of them matters to them more than their own truth. My grandmother says, baby, she starts every sentence with baby. (laughs) Baby, uh, other people's perception of you ain't none of your business. The second lie that people tell themselves is, I can't bounce back if I fail. If this doesn't work, I can't bounce back. Lie, 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 lie. The truth is you build stronger muscles from bouncing back. You don't build muscles from avoiding fall. You build muscles and no one wants to fall. You build muscles when you fall and you bounce back up. That's when your hamstrings are built. That's when your quads are built. That's when your glutes are built. And that's when your triceps and biceps are built, when you're bouncing back. The third lie that people tell themselves is that, Um, no one will accept me as I am. No one will accept the true me. So they put on this false false image, this perception, this mask of perfection, mask of distance, mask of I don't care, mask of, you know, say yes to everyone, because the lie they say is that they won't really accept me for who I am. I'm grateful that people love me, Sally. And what they love most about me is that I spend every day working to walk in my truth. And people love the truth, even if it's sticky, even if it's messy, even if it has a little mud on it, people will respect your truth 
more than they will respect the perception you try to manage. Coming up next, Lisa is going to be talking through more of those sabotaging lies that stop us from expressing our potential. And she's going to be taking us through a powerful exercise to write a new story for ourselves full of abundance. You don't want to miss that. That's next. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Sabah al-Khair and welcome to the second hour of Life Beats with me, Sally Musa. Now, it is a Life Beats special today with someone who has overcome the most incredible odds to become a multi-million dollar entrepreneur and one of the most in-demand coaches and public speakers in the world. Transformation expert Lisa Nichols joins me for an amazing conversation. She shares her story and she talks the tools that you can use now to create whole new possibilities in your life. She even uh, talks about a very powerful exercise that she is going to be sharing in just a moment to break down the lies that are holding us back. All of that and so much more is coming up right here on Life Beats on Pulse95. This is Pulse95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse95. Best-selling international author, entrepreneur and coach Lisa Nichols is sharing with me the big lies that hold people back. And here she even gives us a powerful exercise that you can do right now to write a whole new story of abundance for yourself. The third lie that people tell themselves is that um, no one will accept me as I am. No one will accept the true me. So they put on this false this false image, this perception, this mask of perfection, mask of distance, mask of I don't care, mask of, you know, say yes to everyone. Because the lie they say is that they won't really accept me for who I am. I'm grateful that people love me, Sally. I'm, and what they love most about me is that I spend every day working to walk in my truth. And people love the truth, even if it's sticky, even if it's messy, even if it has a little mud on it. People will respect your truth more than they will respect the perception you try to manage. And the fourth lie is I'm running out of time. I'm running out of time. You're not running out of time. You have all the time you need. You're running out of time when you wasted yesterday thinking you ran out of time. You're running out of time thinking today about what you want to do, but never in action. So you're not really running out of time. You're just not using your time wisely. You're using your time thinking about running out of time. You're using your time thinking about how to make it perfect. You're using your time being afraid. And then the last thing that I'll say is the lie that people tell themselves is that fear is powerful. Fear is not powerful. Fear is a mindset. Fear is a belief system. Fear is an emotion, just like compassion, love, anger, um, and, you know, and, and, you know, any other joy. We just give fear more power than we give any other emotion. But fear is an emotion like any other emotion. We just allow it to trump all other emotions. So the last lie is that people think fear is actually, fear really has an immobilizing power because we allow fear to stop us. 
you can dissipate. You literally can find the truth inside the fear and dissipate the fear into the nothingness that it always was, which is why one person can be afraid of something and not move. The other person can see the same thing and have no fear and, and leave because fear is literally a, a huge part of the story you tell yourself. And then the story evokes an emotion and the story evokes the tremors and all the things that come with it. But it's really in the story that the fear has the power, not the fear itself. How do we break down those lies? How do we, what would you say to someone who might be feeling completely stuck in a rut and sure. hearing, you know, those who tell them they can't do it? And maybe they've even left that environment, sure. but they're still internalizing that they're not good enough, sure. uh, you know, even sure. though they try to push past it, but they can't sure. break through. How do they do sure. it? So, number one, please come see me when I'm in the UEA because <laughs> there's an there's a something that's going to happen when we're together. I'm going to give you some things now, and then I'm going to say, let this connection be continued, right? So I'm going to give you an exercise to do really fast. So write this down. Get a get a um, six sheets of paper, six sheets of lined eight and a half by 11 paper. Um, get a pencil and a red pen. Now, I, what I'm going to exercise I'm going to give you, you know I'm a breakthrough coach, Sally, so you know I love action. And action is awareness is one thing. Awareness gives you the aha. Action gives you the result. So I'm going to take you to action right now. And where I'm teaching you from is the concept of neuro-linguistic programming right now. So when someone is stuck, when someone believes they can't do it, when someone is immobilized, they need to reprogram their brains. They're living under a belief system that needs to be changed. How do you change a belief system? Well, you don't change it like you change your socks. You change a belief system by putting a new belief system in its place. And slowly you transition, Sally, from one belief system to the other. It's not a sprinkle fairy dust. It's not a blink your eyes and it's done. It's not a magic potion lotion. That's what, when people think that, that's when they bounce back and they slingshot back to an old thought or an old behavior because they didn't do the transition solid enough. So I'm going to jump you into an exercise now to give you a solid transition. I'm going to do it really fast, but I'll deep dive more when I'm there. But I'll give you the, real, the fast version, but it'll still work. So get six to ten sheets of paper, eight and a half by 11 sheets of white paper lined, and get a pencil and get a red pen. And with the pencil, I want you to write down every lie that you tell yourself. Write down every lie that you tell yourself about money, about relationships, about love, about your your health and wellness, about your physical physique, about your success, write down each lie. But when you write down each lie, Sally, write it in pencil, only in pencil, and then skip four lines. Very important. Write the lie, skip four lines. Write the lie, skip four lines. Write the next lie, skip four lines. It's going to feel really icky. It doesn't feel good because now you're bringing all your lies to your consciousness. But that's okay. We're going to do something with them. Again, write the next lie. It'll take you maybe four pages of lies. The bigger you play in the world, the more lies you actually have. So when I first did this years ago, believe it or not, I had 16 pages because I was really playing big. I had a lot of lies. And so I always tell people, the bigger you play, the more lies you have. And so write the lie, write, uh, write the lie, skip four lines. Write the lie, skip four lines in pencil. Then take the red pen, Sally. And in between each lie, write the truth. Now, the key thing is to not necessarily need to believe the truth yet. Just write the truth. 
after you've written the lie, all the lies out, don't write the truth until you've kind of dumped out all the lies. It may take you a day or even two days. Then go in the middle and write all the truth, even if you don't believe them yet. Then read the lies in the truth. Read the lies in the truth. Read the lie, pencil, pen, pencil, pen. Read the lies in the truth. What will happen, Sally, is the next time your brain, and I would say read it for two to three days, just keep reading the lie, the truth, the lie, the truth. When your brain thinks of the lie, what was in pencil, your brain will automatically see the truth as it relates to it because neuro-linguistic programming has just told your brain that these two relate to each other. So then the next time you think of the lie, your brain's going to see the red ink. Then I want you to get an eraser and erase the pencil and only be left with the truth and read the truth for about two days. I promise you, when your brain starts thinking about that lie again, you're going to see that red ink, which is the truth. Coming up next, you won't believe what Lisa says we need to stop saying about her to realize our own power and potential. That's coming up next. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Only on Pulse 95. Welcome back to Life Beats on Pulse 95. It's an amazing conversation with Lisa Nichols, who turned her life dramatically around and she's helping others to do the same. Here she talks the one thing that she doesn't want to hear about herself and she talks the power of storytelling. Something that really struck me though that I've heard you say, you know, you come out and you, you know, inspire people, millions of people all over the world. But something that you said that just really struck me was you tell people you want me to be extraordinary. You want to see me <laughs> as an extraordinary because it lets you off the hook. Mm-hmm. I need you to talk mm-hmm. about this and explain this to mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. I love it, Sally. I love your question. <laughs> yes. So I appreciate that people call me or want to call me extraordinary. But when you call someone extraordinary, and I tell them, don't call me extraordinary because that lets you off the hook because you get to say, well, I'm not extraordinary. See, when you recognize that I'm ordinary, I'm an ordinary woman who simply chooses every day to make as many extraordinary decisions as I can. And once I've made enough extraordinary decisions, then I create an extraordinary experience. Once I've created enough extraordinary experience as an ordinary woman, making extraordinary decisions to create extraordinary experience, you have enough extraordinary experiences you then begin to live an extraordinary life. So don't don't tell me I'm extraordinary because you get to say you're not. But when you tell me I'm ordinary, or when I tell you I'm ordinary, and you go, oh, great, me too, then we get to choose which extraordinary decisions we want to make today. So every single one of us has the power. Every single one of us. Now, I didn't say we have an equal beginning. I said we have the power. Let me tell you what I love about choice and decision. No one can rob you of that. You might have to climb out of a a difficult situation. So I don't want to negate anyone's situation. I'm not minimizing that at all. But I am saying you are the designer of your destiny and you are the author of your autobiography. At one point or another, someone else may have held the pen. But at some time or another, they sit the pen down to your story and you pick the pen up. Now, what happens is 
we pick up the pen once we become adults or once we get out of that relationship or once we do whatever, we pick up the pen. But the tragedy that we do is we start writing the same story that someone else was writing for us. And the reason why we write the same story is because it's the one that we're familiar with. And which is why I love to travel the globe and disrupt the story and go, can you write a different chapter 24 than your chapter 14? What if you could write anything? What if you knew you couldn't fail? What if you knew you could do whatever? What if you weren't afraid of failing? What if failure wasn't an option? What's the next chapter that you'd write? Wow, incredible. For somebody who was told by their teachers, you should never write a book seven books later. Uh, you should never speak in public. You know, <laughs> you are somebody who has such an incredible gift for storytelling. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about the power of storytelling. That's so funny because that's literally my focus and what I'm going to teach there when I come to see you is how to hone your story. The story, what I love about your story is your story is like your unique fingerprint. It's your story. Someone else can go to the same school you went to. Someone else can do the same job you're doing. Someone else can wear the same clothes that you've worn. But no one has your story. Your story is yours. And the fiber of who you are and the essence of who, you, who you've been and who you're becoming lives in the crevices of your story. Your resiliency lies in your story. Your passion and compassion lies in your story in south africa the king and the king and the queen are the most respected in a village but the griot is the most revered because the griot tells the story he's a storyteller and in the stories live our history in the stories live our legacy in the stories live our strength and our pride and our passion and the stories is just who we are No one can tell your story. No one can have your story but you. And when you learn and master, hone and share your story, other people, here's the key thing, other people find their story in yours. And your story begins to liberate others. And then your story becomes nothing about you. The people that I've inspired with my story blows my mind. And it becomes more and more clear to me that my story doesn't belong to me. Your story doesn't belong to you. You've already lived it. Now it's your job to share it so someone else can live through it, can find their oxygen in your story. That's what I love is people find their oxygen and their inspiration and their get back up and their walk and their run and their soar again in your story. All you have to do is be willing to share it. Coming up, Lisa shares some of the most powerful and surprising moments on her journey so far, including one beautiful moment with her son that caught her completely off guard. That's next. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa, only on Pulse 95. 95. It's Life Beats on Boss 95 and I'm in conversation with The Secrets, Lisa Nichols. And here she talks the power of the law of attraction and the most surprising and powerful moments on her journey. Ah, surprising moments. Wow. Um, there's so many, so many beautiful surprising moments. Uh, 
One was uh, early in my career. I never spoke on stage before, and I was I was asked to speak uh, on stage in front of about 850 people. Uh, I'd never spoken in front of a hundred at that time, and but this 850 looked very different. There were only four women in the audience, and there were only three people of color. So they were all older white men. And uh, I stood on stage, and I spoke, clearly expecting not to get a, a huge response. And I noticed that they were wiping their faces, and I didn't know what was happening. And what I didn't know is that this room full of men who were nothing like me were all crying at my story. And um, I didn't know that I had the ability to touch the heart of someone who didn't look like me, who didn't come from my background, who was at least 18 years older than me. That was one of my first surprises, that I had a, a story that could reach across cultural lines, religious lines, economic lines, gender lines, and age lines. I didn't know that. Um, another big surprise for me was when The Secret came out. And I didn't think that I'd be in it. They interviewed over 54 people for The Secret. Only 26 got in. And when I watched the premiere and I was in it, I was quite surprised that I was I was in it. I didn't, again, I was questioning at the time my contribution. Wow, you and didn't know you were in it? I didn't know that I would make the cut. I knew that I was interviewed, but there were 54 people interviewed, and they were all really, really brilliant people. Wow. And so I just figured, you know, here I am, this girl who got a fail in English and a D minus in speech. Here I am, this girl from South Central Los Angeles. You know, everyone in the secret felt like, seemed like they had PhDs and MBAs. And here I was, this kid who I didn't have a college degree. I didn't have anything. I just had my passion. And so I was quite surprised that I made it in. But I was even more surprised. When a year later, the producer of The Secret uh, came back to Los Angeles and asked me to please record more because I was one of the most requested teachers for more appearances. And I went from having four appearances in The Secret to having about 18 appearances in The Secret. Um, that was surprising. And um, another thing, when my son was 15 years old, I had already been on the road a lot. And... Um, and this reporter asked a question that I would consider not too fair. He said, Jelani, to my son, your mom is on the road over 200 days out the year. How does that hurt you? And I felt like the question was unfair, and I was really nervous. And my son looked up and said, sir, even though my mom is on the road 66% of the time, the 34% that she's at home feels better than most most kids whose parents are home 100%. And my son put his arms around me and he said, Mom, I love you and and I appreciate you. And he did it in front of the camera. He was 15 um, and he just, I didn't know if I was doing a great job at parenting while I was building my career. I didn't know. And that day, standing in the hotel, the Marriott in Los Angeles, California, my son standing six foot two, looked down at me and showed me that I was doing a really great job. And, and so that was another moment. And then there's all the moments of sitting with the Queen of Swaziland and sitting across from Larry King and sitting beside Oprah 
And I think what shocks me now is when I go to celebrity events and I'm I'm fanning, I'm fangirling a celebrity and they turn around and look at me and they begin to fan me. <laughs> like we're, we're having this, and it's and it's this awkward moment because I've been watching them I think much longer than they've been watching me and I'm fanning them and they fan me and I go, Oh my God it t- it always, always, always catches me off guard. Always, always. No way. Oh my God! Uh, you, every you, every single time, it you catches me off guard. Cannot be surprised by that, Lisa Nichols. I but am really am about the secret. You know, you mentioned that. You know, it's all about the law of attraction. What is that, yeah. and how do we make it work for us? Absolutely. So, it, you know, the the premise of it, the very basic, is energy grows where energy goes. If you think about that as the foundation, wherever you put your energy, that's going to rise. If your energy is in fear and things to be afraid of, you're going to find more things to be afraid of. If your energy is love and possibility and growth, you're going to find love and see love everywhere. You're going to love the leaves. You're going to love the flowers. You'll find it. Energy grows where energy goes. If you put energy on shifting your wealth, and focusing on new revenue stream versus spending your energy worrying about money. But on new revenue streams, you'll find new revenue streams. But really, if you if you focus your energy on ways to serve people and ways to bring joy and ways to be a solution. So the foundation of the law of attraction is energy grows where energy goes. Your thoughts are forming your life experience. When you think about something enough, you're shaping your life experience. If you say, oh, my God, all I see is blue, I see blue everywhere. There's no extra blue around you. You're now just seeing more blue because you just, in your mind, you said blue is everywhere. So there's no extra blue. You just see more blue. So you're shaping your life experience in your mind and your thoughts. And then when you speak it, my grandmother used to say you can speak life into someone with your tongue and you can speak death into someone with your tongue because the power of the tongue is so incredible that when you speak it, it is so. When you say it, it is real. What, you know, Henry Ford said, whatever you believe is true. If you believe you can do it, you can. If you believe you can't, you can't. Whatever you believe is true. The law of attraction is just that. That's it. The law of attraction isn't a new concept. It's a very old concept. It's in our oldest book. It says, ask, believe, receive. Know that there's a, there, whatever you call your higher power, whatever you call it, there's, there's, there's a universal energy that innately is working on your behalf. The world is working for you, not against you. Unless you commit to the belief system that the world is working against you, then it has to show up. Here's the crazy thing, is that you're writing your life story. Anything you say has to be true. It has to be true. You just got to figure out what life story you want to write. And so that's how people can come from horrific backgrounds and all of a sudden they have these crazy, amazing lives. They just wrote the story. There wasn't any magic. There's no hookup. I didn't get a hookup. I'm still waiting on a hookup. If you know about the hookup, Sally, tell me about it. (laughs) I just decided to write a different story, right? And so the law of attraction says energy grows where energy goes. If you want your life to show up differently, begin thinking about the way you want it, not the way you don't want it. If you want your life to show up differently, begin to talk about what's going to be created. But most importantly, what the secret didn't say is you have to be in radical, write down radical, circle radical, underline twice radical. You have to be in radical action. 
And when you fall, if you should, if you fail, if you should fail, fail fast and fail forward and then get up again and be in radical action again. My failures these days, Sally, are six and seven figure failures. I mean, my failures come with lots of zeros and attorneys and I have them still. I just fell forward and I fell fast and I get back up. Fail forward, fail fast, and get straight back up. Coming up next, Lisa talks the power of books as Sharjah gets set to begin the year-long celebrations as the world book capital. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. 95. It is Life Beats, and uh, in the run-up to Sharjah beginning its year-long celebrations as the World Book Capital, I asked Lisa Nichols, somebody who struggles to read herself, but then becoming a best-selling author of seven titles, seven, about the power of books. Sharjah is the, in fact, the World Book Capital of 2019. So, yes, it's a very, very big honor for us here. So I wanted to get your thoughts, an author of seven books yourself. I wanted to get your thoughts on the power of books and those authors that really have changed your life, have inspired you. Mm. Um, The power of books. Um, Books are just, even in this day of electronic books and and Kindles and audiobooks, I still got to touch a good book. For me, books allowed me to see my future unfolding before it was here. I read who I could become, and then I began to chase that possibility. So books represent liberation. Books represent freedom. Books allow you to fly while you're sitting down on the couch. Books allow you to walk while you're in a wheelchair. Books allow you to be and become. Books can take you somewhere that you'll never physically go. And books can also lead you somewhere that you're destined to go. So at times, books took me places. They allowed me to escape a moment of discomfort. And they fed me a moment of joy, of laughter, of peace. Um, Books on spiritual awareness allowed me to catch my breath. Books on affirmation allowed me to speak life into my future. Books on education and transformation allowed me to design the woman I was becoming. Books are so necessary, so prevalent. Books give you vocabulary. Books give you another another skew on life, another viewpoint. You're looking at life through another lens. And then looking at the writers who have helped to shape my life. You know, everyone knows that I'll always start with Stephen Covey. I was 25 years old. And I read Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And I I honestly, Sally, I only understood about 30% of the book. I only understood. For five years, I only understood about about 30% of the book. But what I understood, I worked to live out. And I began to change my life experience just by that 30% of that book. And then I went on to read Jack Canfield's books and fell madly in love with with his stories and how he changed things, Marion Williamson, Wayne Dyer, um, T.D. Jakes. T.D. Jakes was uh, my prayer partner. (laughs) Without knowing, he was my prayer partner. 
Nelson Mandela's work. I read Nelson Mandela's work and I truly learned humility and what humility looks like. I have so many authors. Yeah. I tell people I'm an, an, an eclectic piece of work. Wow. Phenomenal, phenomenal. So uh, now um, for you, what is next for you? What is still out there for Lisa Nichols that you know, you're still reaching for, that you're still aiming for? Wow, what a great question. <laughs> um, I'm so excited about teaching hundreds of thousands, millions if I can, people to um, own their voice, hone their voice, and share their story. Like for years I wanted to share mine, and now I want to just help people share theirs. Like that makes me really excited. I want to be the coach to great storytellers as opposed to needing to be a great storyteller. I want to move over and I want to teach others. Um, I, I think on a, on a career perspective, uh, I want to really touch the masses. So, so I, I'm going into media in some form of media, television, so that I can touch people all over the world. That's the second thing that I want to do. Um, and then the third um, thing that's in the future for me is really to train people to do what I do. I want to multiply the numbers of what I do. So in the future, I'll begin to train trainers, train people who want to produce transformation in the world. So I'll go more from teaching directly people to teaching teachers. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Train the trainer. This is yep, this is how you I'm, reach more I'm. people, how you amplify yep. what you're doing, which is incredible. I want to be in your class, Lisa. <laughs> Amen. I would love you to be in it. I oh, my gosh. We cannot we cannot wait to see you here in the UAE. Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited to be with you. I'm excited to have our time together. Every day I've been looking at some of the content I'm going to teach. It's going to be about the power of your words, owning your voice, honing your voice, and using your voice. I'm going to deep dive into some training around storytelling, around how you have an impactful message. I know I have a gift. And I've, I've, I've honed my gift. I've built my gift. And now I've learned how to teach it so that my gift can become someone else's skill set. And I'm excited to come there. I'm excited to teach you everything that I can teach you inside the time that we have together. And I'm crossing your path for a reason. And everyone that hears my voice, you're hearing my voice for a reason. This is the season for us. And I'm coming there to ignite some fires and stir some souls. I tell you what, that is the incredible the phenomenal lisa nichols i can't wait to see her live here in the uae this weekend to learn more from her and it was such a a, an amazing interview with so many takeaways you might want to listen back to it because there was so much in there it is going to be available on apple podcasts and soundcloud all you need to do is just look for life beats and make sure that you subscribe so that you don't miss a thing you will get all of the latest interviews all of the latest podcasts are there. That's it for us here on Life Beats on Pulse 95. We'll be back again with you tomorrow from 10 a.m. This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every weekday from 10 a.m.